Hello and welcome to Groove Therapy, a podcast that explores the effects of live music on our brains, bodies, and our lives and provides a space for you, our listener, to learn more about how you can bring the magic of live music into your everyday life. My name is Dr. Leah Taylor, and I am joined here with my fabulous co-host, Tara Lee Weathers. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hey. We are here with our last episode of season one. OMG. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) I don't know. 27 episodes in, and we are going to take about a month break. So there will just be like two every other week. Friday that will not have a Groove Therapy podcast episode coming out, but then we're going to come back with season two and we're going to have some new surprises and some new energy. Live music is back and it's just going to be a whole new party. Yeah, get ready because it's going to be awesome. (laughs) And also, if you're behind on some of our episodes and you haven't listened to all 26 of them, it's the perfect opportunity for you to go back in time. I mean, I don't know if you're really going back in time, but listening to our past podcast episodes because they're all available on Apple or Spotify. Well, you're listening to us now. So wherever it is that you're listening to us, you can also find all of our past episodes. That's right. Yeah. So check those out. And in our 25th episode, which came out a month ago now, uh, we review some of our favorites. So if you want to check that out, then you can listen to that episode and find out one that you might want to go back to, or maybe even just go back to your favorite one that you've listened to already. Yes, definitely. And like this episode that you're all listening to, I I like love it so much. This guest is incredible. I know you're going to introduce him but I just like loved every moment of it he's just such an amazing person and is so entertaining and so knowledgeable and so kind and cool I loved every second of it absolutely yeah this episode was such a treat to record and our guest is Peter Sawyer from Bright Shine as well as Left Hand Monkey Wrench Gang he is a musician in the greater Bay Area And he just like, oh my gosh, brings so much knowledge to this episode. It was like, I mentioned it in the episode, but I love talking to people who have spent just as much time as I have, like geeking out on live music and like actually going into the research and really looking at it in multiple perspectives. And of course, as a fan experiencing live music, as a musician creating live music. So he's a musician. He's also a producer. He also teaches guitar. So he just like has his hand in all of the things. Plus he's an academic as well. He graduated from the California Institute of Integral Studies, CIIS, and he did his dissertation on the experience of live music. And it was called A Qualitative Examination of the Ritual Structure and the Spiritual Nature of the Grateful Dead Experience. And he talks a lot about that in this interview, as well as just so many things. Like we covered so many topics in this interview. Yeah, you all, you're going to love it because I am not, I'm like the opposite of an academic. So getting to be in the presence of two academics and hear them geek out about music and research, and it's, it's so affirming to like, you know, I mean, I tell people how important live music is to my life, but when they're both together talking about it, it's like, yes, like this is why it's important. And that's why this is why it's such an important investment in my health and well-being. And, and they like totally made me feel better about the like 
thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars I probably have spent on live music because it really was an investment in myself, just like my smoothies that I drink every day. And so I loved hearing you two geek out about it. It was like, it was such a treat. Yeah, it's true. It's affirming. And it's really important for us to have that affirmation that what we love and what we spend so much time and energy doing is important to our health and well-being. Like, that's so important. And interestingly, I was just thinking about this. Greg Kaiden, who was on our 24th episode, uh, is the one that put me in touch with Peter because I wanted I reached out to Greg about doing Embodied Groove at one of his events, and he was like, oh, I think Peter Sawyer would be really into that. You should talk to him. And once I found out like what Peter was up to and all of the things that he was doing, we just like totally instantly connected, and I got to do Embodied Groove before his show, and he talks about what a profound experience that was for him and how it influenced his new album that he just created. So that That's was awesome. So cool. I know. <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> Yay. Well, I'm, I mean, you're talking about Embody Groove right now, and I want to hear about some of the things that you're up to and let listeners know how they can can have some Leah magic in their life. Yeah. Well, I am really looking forward to doing more in-person Embodied Groove events. I just did one this past weekend, and it was so incredible. And now that live music is happening again, that is definitely a possibility. But I also have created a virtual package that is called Embodied Groove Out of the Shadows and Into the Light, because that's kind of where I felt like we are right now. We're like moving out of the shadows and into the light. And I feel like there's an opportunity to put a little bit more intention before your live music experience, also help you to move your body, loosen up. It's been a long time maybe since you've been out on the dance floor breaking out those moves. And, you know, we need that stamina to keep going all night long. So Embodied Groove, this virtual package out of the shadows and into the light has four virtual Embodied Groove classes. They're only 20 minutes long. They were totally curated to help you to release what you need to let go of before you step onto the dance floor to really open you up so that you can best receive the medicine of live music. I also included three mind-body practices to help with any stress, anxiety, or nervousness you might feel about going into a live music show with lots of people right now. So you can check that out at embodiedgroove.com. And it's only $27. You could have it for the rest of your life. But what a gift that is to like have a piece of you and the magnificence that you are in your home. <laughs> and that's so beautiful. So I'm so happy that you offer that. Thank you, Tara Lee. I would love to hear what you have to offer all of our listeners because I know you have something amazing up your sleeve. Yes. Um, so I've been talking about my retreat in Costa Rica in the past couple of episodes. And if like you can go back and listen to it or just like if you're like, yeah, I want to retreat with you in Costa Rica, then just reach out to me. Um, you can do it on Instagram at Racking Life with two underscores. But I also want to talk about I have an incredible online business course. It's a program called the Rocking Life Entrepreneur. And so if you have like a ton of ideas. Maybe you identify as having ADHD and you're just so creative and just have all these incredible ideas, but tend to like not figure out how to take all of that magic and amazingness into something that you can actually 
turn a profit from and make money, I would love to talk to you to figure out how you can use those gifts and that magic to be able to do that. So you can be at a live show while money is rolling into your bank account because you built this incredible, fun, magnetic business that helps the world and helps people, um, all your future customers and clients. So if that speaks to you, I would love to have a conversation with you to see if this is a program for you. Our next round is starting in September and it goes for six months. And it's incredible. And actually, in season two, there's going to be an episode that has people from past Rocking Life entrepreneurs because they're all live music fans and they've created incredible, really cool businesses. And they're going to tell you all about them and how music has impacted their lives and their businesses. Um, so you can look for that. But if you are interested in joining the next round of it, then please reach out on my Instagram at Rocking Life. And then there's two underscores after Rocking Life and DM me the word magic. And I will set up a call with you you to see if this program is something that is a fit for you. Yeah. So do that right now. If you are so inspired and want to go rock out at live music while you're rolling in money. I like that. I know. And then you could buy all the things from the vendors that you want and support them in that way and be able to afford all the live music shows that you want to go to and have the freedom and the time to be able to go to them. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love that you're offering that. <laughs> Thank you. It's like one of my favorite things ever. I like I'm really excited. I just like love everybody in the program. They're like my best friends now. Mm. Yeah. So if you want to become one of Tara Lee's besties, then you know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Well, we are part of the Osiris Podcast Network, and we're so grateful for that because there's such incredible podcasts where people get to talk about music and more people geeking out about music. And there's there's something for everyone and anything that you're interested in music, there is definitely a podcast that, that will speak to that. Yes. So check out OsirisPod.com. Also follow us at Groove Therapy Podcast on Instagram. You can Definitely join our Facebook community at Groove Therapy Podcast Community on Facebook. And please follow us on all of the places that you get your podcasts so that more people can find out about us. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating and a review and we would so appreciate it. Yeah. And if you get really creative and it's a really good one, we'll read it on the air and make you very famous. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, we will be right back. All right. And we are back here with Peter. Peter, welcome. We're so happy that you're here to join us today. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's a great <laughs> honor to be on your podcast. Yeah, welcome to the party. Yeah, we're really excited. I, you know, I feel like it's such a treat to be able to talk to somebody who's kind of dove in into the experience of live music from a researcher's lens. It's not always that I get the opportunity to do that. So I'm really looking forward to this and also, you know, hearing your experience as a musician too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to talking to you guys about that. It's been an interesting journey for me because 
I kind of started off, I was always a musician. I started playing drums when I was about 13 years old and I kind of played casually in bands. And, I, and then when I went to graduate school, I was right in the kind of the throes of being just majorly into the Grateful Dead. I also was all the bands at the time, at that time, like Fish, you know, Widespread Panic. I was into all those bands, but I was really, really way deep into the Grateful Dead rabbit hole when I went to graduate school and, and I wanted to study kind of, I wanted to understand from an academic perspective what was going on at these shows. When I went to the shows, I wasn't, I didn't behave very academically. But <laughs> I was kind of, at, you know, when I was studying to kind of bring that in because I felt like there was a lot of stuff that really resonated for me in terms of the stuff I've been reading in anthropology and religious studies that could maybe be brought together and one could actually look at the Grateful Dead in an academic way. There wasn't, at that time, when I started graduate school, it was the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, there was maybe one or two academic papers on the Grateful Dead at that time. And there were a few other of us that were in process. And I ended up meeting most of these people through this great scholars conference uh, of Grateful Dead people or deadheads who are studying the Grateful Dead. And one of those people was Nick Merriweather, who ended up becoming uh, in charge of the UC Santa Cruz archive. And he was a great resource during my dissertation studies. But the interesting thing that happened for me, and we'll kind of, I think we'll probably get here in this podcast was as I went deeper into my research, I was also kind of living a parallel life. I had always been a drummer and my roommate in San Francisco at the time was a guitar player who I grew up jamming with a bunch and he had an acoustic guitar and I picked up his guitar and just started kind of teaching myself some chords and literally within a couple of weeks of learning chords I was songs were starting to come out of me like I knew like four chords and I was starting to write these songs and I was pretty lyrically inclined I was very into Robert Hunter Bob Dylan Joni Mitchell you know all, the, all these lyricists that I was really focused in so the lyrics seemed to come easy for me as long as I had the music so I kind of was following that path kind of concurrently with doing the graduate work. And I was starting to write a bunch of songs and playing guitar. And it would just like started folding in on itself where I would do like five or six hours a day just on guitar and songwriting. And then in the evening, I'd do all my graduate work and stuff like that. And I was kind of a little bit of a hermit until the Grateful Dead were anywhere within, you know, 10,000 miles of me. And then I would, you know, go off and see shows and stuff like that. So I had this kind of really interesting world at that time where I was just delving really deeply into the music as personally, as well as starting to study it in my graduate work. What was something that you found like in your research that was maybe really surprised? Like, was every was there parts that were really surprising or was it more just like affirming of how you feel? Um, that's a really good question. I feel like in the research, what what really kind of blew me away was I knew for me it was a very so the the title of my dissertation was the ritual structure and spiritual nature of the Grateful Dead experience and so what I did was I kind of demonstrated that there were all these ritual structures that Deadheads created around the music and Grateful Dead shows themselves had a unique structure to them that was very similar to the structures that rituals have had throughout time so that was kind of my academic hook into it and a way to make it an academic kind of study was to kind of compare it to that stuff. And then I basically just interviewed deadheads and took their experiences and kind of grafted it onto that theory and kind of showed how it was the same in that way and that it was truly a spiritual experience for people. 
And I think at that time in the 90s, it was kind of a little bit more religion was more when people said religion, just in the general population or spirit, so even spirituality, they would think of conventional religion. So it was my big axe to grind that most of the people I knew were actually pretty spiritual people, but they weren't conventionally spiritual at all. Right. So I was kind of interested in really showing that this was where people were getting deep fulfillment in their lives and all the community that was built around that was a huge, huge part of that. And so I tried to document that in my dissertation as well. So I think to answer your question, for me, it was just the depth and the breadth of the spiritual experiences that were much different from my own. I knew kind of non-verbally that the people standing next to me at shows either be that my best friend or sometimes you just meet somebody at a show and you just get the vibe with them and you'd know that they were there with you in very in a very similar place. You know, that feeling you just get. And then you kind of all of a sudden have this experience, at least I've had this, and I, a lot of people I've talked to, where you just turn around and look at the crowd and you feel like we're kind of all in it together in a really deep way that you don't get that, for me at least, at a sporting event. I mean, I guess maybe you're in it together if, if you're rooting for one team and then there's other people over there and it's a competition and it's different. You know, you don't really have like big groups of people like that that feel that interconnected. And so that to me was one of the, the things that I really wanted to kind of look at and highlight in my research work. Yeah. So what are some of the experiences from other people that helped you be able to highlight that? Do you remember some of the accounts? Yeah, I think one of the things that was really interesting to me was a lot of people reported very oceanic type experiences of like being underwater or being like, you know, bathed in kind of almost a liquid like experience where they were floating and they were completely they kind of felt like they had left their body entirely. Um, that doesn't happen to me when I, even if I'm uh, on psychedelics, that still doesn't happen to me. I still can feel really consciously in my body. And so the, the fact that people were having these real, like, I'm not going to say out of body experiences because I don't think that's quite the right term for it, but it's like transcending their body in a way and, and floating out into this other place. And some people had them also like with being in space as well which I thought was kind of interesting, but more it was more liquid watery kind of like, you know, I don't know how to describe it very easily. I could, I could dig that stuff up and read it for you guys, but it was interesting to me to note all the different ways that something manifests, something as powerful as music and the communal experience around it manifests within people. Um, how do you feel? So if that you don't feel that same way of the like out of body experience, how, how is it spiritual for you? Well, for me, when I was really had my period of going to tons of dead shows, which was a really before and after experience for me as a person, like I came in one person at age 20 and came out when Jerry died when I was 25, it just to completely changed in my whole life. You know, I don't know that I would be a professional musician as I am now. I would just be totally different and it's hard to know what I would have been like. And a lot of that was based on how deeply I was affected by the music and by the experience of being with other deadheads and the friendships I formed uh, with people there are friendships that have lasted my whole life. What spiritually what got me was it was almost like for me, music affects me. I don't I don't visualize music. I, it just affects me on a real. It's almost like feeling an emotion for me. And so when I would really get there at a Grateful Dead concert, it would it would be like I had tapped into some place that I 
could never even have dreamed of. It's almost like when you visualize, you know, going to Kauai and finding the perfect waterfall with the rainbows and the cool water and all the, you know, just like the, the thing you could envision perfectly. It was that, but emotionally and spiritually. And, and I would continue to return to a place that felt like that so frequently that I had to conclude that this was a real thing. And I, that, I, you know, it gave me enough fuel to then do things like commit my life to being a musician, even though the world kind of doesn't want you to do that and commit my life to writing a dissertation on the Grateful Dead, which everybody in academia told me I should never do. So I would never get a job, which is true. I did not get a job in academia, <laughs> but you know, all these things that I would probably have not had the courage to do without the power of that spiritual connection with the music. And I think probably, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a hackneyed thing to say about a spiritual experience, but it really made me feel the interconnectedness of everything. And I think that for me, that started with feeling really interconnected with deadheads. Um, I had never had a communal experience in that way where you would just walk down the hall and somebody would smile at you and you would just be, the, there's all these, there's all these details. And I know you guys know too, what I'm talking about here. It's like, it just puts you in a place that you couldn't, you didn't think it would be possible in life, you know, because everything in the world is, you know, chaotic and strange, you know? And so you, you go into these places that become this kind of container where you can actually become an open, smiling person that you're not threatened by, you know, all this, you know, the weirdness of the world. And to have that kind of place where you can open up like that, then kind of sets a place at the table for the musicians, whether it be Grateful Dead, Fish, whatever band you like. And I don't think it really matters what band it is necessarily. It just matters that your heart is there and locked into it. And the musicians are also, mm -hmm. you know, locked into it in that way. Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree. And, you know, I didn't even realize that it was so powerful for me because live music was also my first like real spiritual experience. But I didn't realize that that's actually what was happening until I think it was actually probably when I was doing my dissertation and, and somebody kind of reflected that to me. And I was like, you know what, that's absolutely it. Like this is really special to me and really powerful to me because that was my first real like visceral experience of the connectedness of everything you know, feeling connected to the people around me, feeling connected to the music, to the environment that I was in, and also to myself, you know, in a way that was more about, yeah, just like me in a, a physical body, but like actually me as a spirit, as a soul. And that's really amazing. And I have been to church before many times, you know, and I never experienced that from my church experience. And that's not to say that people can't. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, you know, you go into various indigenous people's ceremonies and stuff like that. And it's, that's exactly what they're doing. But we as modern people have to find our own way into that. And so how lucky are we as fans of this music where we have this community that's really built to do that, you know, in some ways. I actually really like the fact that it's, and I tried to emphasize this in my dissertation that it's also cool if you want to be that guy that comes and just has a beer and enjoys listening to the Grateful Dead play trucking or the fish play funky bitch or whatever it is, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a spiritual experience. You don't have to go that deep if you don't want to or need to or whatever it is. So I really like the multi-level, you know, that there's, that there's, any any experience that you want to open yourself to is available to you, but it's not being directed or, you know, in any way expected for you to have that. It's just it's there if you want it. You know? Right. And it's not even being created as that is the intention. 
Like that's just kind of what comes out of it for people. And that's what's so cool. It's not like everybody put their head together to say, okay, how can we have everybody have this, you know, transcendent, amazing experience? Like it just happened from creating the music that was created and the community. And there's so many factors, like you said, that go along with it. Right, yeah, exactly. Well, I think I've, I've talked about this a bunch of times, but how, I mean, music is just a vibration. It's like a language of the vibration and you either like that vibration or you don't. And so people that like the Grateful Dead, they like the vibration of the music. So it attracts all like-minded people. And so if you are into like heavy metal, you like that vibration of the music and then it attracts that, that crowd of people and you come together and There's nothing like gathering with a group of people that are all like-minded that are like attracted to that same language of the vibration of the music or whatever it was. I was on retreat and it was like the vibration of the jungle sounds (laughs) that that, like brought us all together. There's just, it's so transformative. Like you can't, even if you're not trying, it's like likely just going to happen because you're in that collective energy of people that all feel the same way as you it's like almost impossible to avoid it even if you're the guy drinking the beer listen to trucking right right exactly (laughs) i think that guy is also getting something possibly even spiritual out of even if he's not conscious of it i I should say he or she i think it's it's really interesting i think that's a really good point that it it is a vibrational experience at bottom. And the kind of the, the way I got into the Grateful Dead was I was a drummer, as I said. And so I was shopping in the bookstore and I found Mickey Hart's drumming at the edge of magic. And I started reading that book and I was just floored by it. I just, it just, it was resonating with me like crazy. And so that's, I was like, wow, he plays in the Grateful Dead. I'll check, you know, it was one of those things that I kind of heard of him, but I didn't have any friends that were into it. And it all, it always, it sounded kind of weird. Like what kind of are, even are they, you know, I don't even know what they were. And so I just went and, and checked them out. And all of a sudden it just like, I got Europe 72 on CD and it just started grabbing me. It just, I just, there was a magical thing there that was happening and the music was so pretty and so not what I expected that I could just went down the rabbit hole and never came back. But yeah, the drums, I think the drum section at Grateful Dead shows is a really nice example of that vibrational thing that happens where Mickey will get on the beam and it'll, they'll just be this, it's just literally one sine wave that's vibrating a stadium full of people. And it's a real interesting and powerful, you know, experience. Yeah. And then talk about that oceanic experience, like with the vibrations and our body and feeling that. And there is actually a concept called self other merging that happens within live music. And it's, it's like where our physical bodies kind of fade away. And, you know, we're aware that we're still there, but tends to blur is like where we end and another person begins. And so that might also be part of that experience that people are, you know, experiencing in that oceanic. And I absolutely believe that part of it is that vibrational experience because you know that's kind of like blurring those physical lines because matter is not concrete it's not physical so it's really interesting to experience that because that's not how we look out and see the world usually exactly you know i think you're spot on about that i think it's a real uh, interesting kind of mode of study to really look into what those vibrations do to you know i'm not a scientist so i don't know about all that that but what what does it do to your body and your brain and how can we use that as uh, i know there are people doing that as forms of modalities of healing 
various things. You know, I have a friend, Danny Goldberg, who does uh, gong sessions where he, he gets, you know, groups of people in gong. Mm-hmm. And gongs <laughs> he gongs them. I'm sure that's <laughs> Over the head. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's, you know, yeah, that's the term I use. So I think you're correct. <laughs> We've all been gonged by our favorite <laughs> Yes, and I am a professional. <laughs> I've been gonged many times. <laughs> <laughs> so you know i think that that kind of stuff is just it's fascinating to me and it, it's definitely one of the things that drew me into the dead and uh it, my that was my way into it was that vibrational kind of uh thing and he uh mickey uh, talked about this principle called entrainment, where if you have two vibrating entities next to each other, they fall into sync with one another. And that was one of the things I also talked about in my dissertation, where we're, everyone in the audience really ends up doing that with the music as this container and, vi- you know, it, it's supplying us with a vibration to link to, you know, uh, that's that's a pretty powerful thing that goes on, you know, it's just happening in different ways. Yeah, I love that how it like it just like the vibration comes together. It's so I noticed it in yoga class at the end when we do an ohm because at first yeah. it's like everyone's voices are separate and then there's that moment where it all all of a sudden clicks together and we're one ohm and it always like I get goosebumps all over it like really is a magical thing and I have noticed it at shows too with the energy like we all come in as separate energy beings with our own vibration and then all of a sudden some something happens at some point in the show or it could even happen like where we lose it and we come back and we lose it and come back but then that moment where it all clicks it's like holy crap hola like this is yeah. like <laughs> this is it <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I think we really all are one ohm and we're just distanced from that in our everyday lives. And this gives us a kind of a chance to realize that and come come back to that. And that's why we all get so revitalized by the experience. It's like, oh, you know, we, we've bathed in the, those waters and now we can go out and try to, you know, the challenge. Um, and I think I, one of my favorite quotes from Mickey was at Jerry's uh, memorial service in Gold Gate Park. He said, all right, we've given you the groove. Now it's your job to take that out into the world and do something with it, right? That to me is is one of the things that I tried, you know, the devastating experience of, of Jerry dying in 95. I really clung on to that phrase heavily because it was like, you know, I was felt so much gratitude for having been able to find the Grateful Dead right at the end of their career. You know, I was in the last five years, just barely got in the door there and was able to go to a bunch of shows, a bunch of Jerry Band shows and really experience it, you know, in, in full. And then there I was 25 years old. Okay. You got your whole life in front of you, but there's no more Grateful Dead. <laughs> so what are you going to do with it? And that is ultimately what interestingly only a few months before Jerry died was that experience I talked about at the beginning where I was in grad school and I was just barely learning guitar and starting to all of a sudden write songs. So it seemed to me like it had been presented to me by the universe that this is what my path was, was to really follow that and take that groove that I got from them and take it out into the world and try to, you know, that could be my expression of that in my life and, and into the world. Yeah, that's lovely. So Peter, I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the other aspects that you found in your research, because, you know, you you were focusing on ritual and spirituality, but you really found five aspects to be Mm -hmm. important for making it a meaningful experience to people. Can you talk a little bit about the other three? So I think what you're saying with the five aspects are community, right? Connection to 
the music just individually. So everyone kind of had their own individual relationship with the music. And this is one thing I also was interested in looking into to see, because some people I would just go on and on about the lyrics. And there was Robert Hunter was one of their main, and John Barlow, one of their main kind of uh, throughways into the spiritual aspects of the dead. And then other people would talk about the drums, like you and I were talking about before, or or Jerry's guitar, or just the whole thing. It was a lot musical. Some people, it was both of them. And they everyone had these real kind of different relationships with, with the music in that way. And that it was just interesting to me, all the all the different ways that people manifest that. And then some people, and we all know these people, had a really, back when I was doing these interviews, it was tapes. There were really, people weren't even burning CDs yet at this time. So it was like people's relationship with their tapes. And they would, they would have similar spiritual experiences. And I've definitely had these too. I've, I had this wonderful experience down on the beach in Florida where I had a Walkman with 101082, this great show from Stanford. And I put it in my headphones and I had as deep an experience as I've ever had. It was at night on the beach with the moon and all this stuff as I've ever had at a show, but it was different because it was just me. So it was very, it was very much of a kind of individual experience. I didn't have the whole huge nature of all the crowd there and everything but it, it was still that same it was the kernel of the grateful dead live experience then captured in the tape mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden i had it portable with me. yeah that's really cool yeah yeah because then you can like have the live music experience with you in your hand wherever you want and whenever you want so because i mean it'd be awesome if we could go to shows like all day all the time every day but you know <laughs> i think that would be awesome i'm not I'm not so sure but but that you have it available in other ways. I love like putting on my headphones. I have this acupressure mat that I lie on and I just close, I put a like sleep mask on my eyes and kind of take away all the other distractions and just really listen to the music. And I've had majorly healing, transformative, spiritual experiences from doing that. Cause, and, but I'm wondering, do you think that if you had never experienced the actual Grateful Dead live, would you have been able to experience it from a recording? That's a great question. I can only theorize because I, of course, have experienced the Grateful Dead Live. But I think at the time I wrote the dissertation, I was younger and kind of more headstrong and maybe a little bit more self-righteous. And I, I, this may be in, you know, seeped into the tone of the dissertation a little bit. I probably would have said you wouldn't be able to get it listening to a recording in the way that I got it because I was there live with Jerry in the room that kind of attitude. And now that we're however many years down the road, I guess 25, 26 years down the road, and I've been going to see, you know, post dead shows and, you know, with other people. And I've met all these young deadheads that are not, you know, barely even born or certainly not old enough to go to see them. Um, And they are, you can just feel that they are every bit as much connected, spiritually affected, any of the things that you want to say as someone who was actually there. So I do think, I do now really believe that the kernel of it is in there and it's accessible to anyone who wants it. I mean, I think it's probably, there is something about seeing it live, but I don't think it has to be the Grateful Dead. You can go to whatever, you know, band that, 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 that really resonates for you. And we're lucky in the jam band community to have and you know there's jazz there's world music there's all sorts of you don't even it doesn't even have to be a jam band but you know you know i have friends that are really into tedeschi trucks and i wouldn't call them necessarily a jam band but they are a very spiritual band um so you know it's like i think it's very much available um 
And it really just depends on what you bring to it with your heart and how open you are to the experience. Yeah. You also mentioned in your dissertation, psychedelics is having playing a role in the experience. Oh, yes. We, we only got one or two yeah, yeah. into my list of things as we got a tangent. Yes. Felix, um, I was really a little bit frightened, especially at the time in the 90s of putting mm -hmm. that into a dissertation and being like out of the closet, so to speak, uh, about that. Uh, and everybody had already pretty much told me that I was committing a, mm -hmm. a academic career suicide mm -hmm. by even writing about the Grateful Dead. Mm -hmm. And then I was going to put psychedelics in there, too huge bugaboo back then, you know, now I think it's much more accepted. And now there's starting to be mm -hmm. some research. Thank God, you know, is becoming a little bit more mainstreamed as we begin to have a more reasonable approach to mind altering substances. So, you know, basically what, what I talked about in the dissertation a lot was this kind of space of liminality, which just means a spiritual base that's kind of outside your normal existence. So, that was one of the things that I was kind of tying into from anthropological research was that ritual structure throughout time has involved creating these liminal spaces that are outside of our normal existence and kind of serve as a container for a spiritual experience. So the Grateful Dead show was that even let's not even put psychedelics in the equation, just you come out of your normal life and into the show that in and of itself puts you in that space. And then the band hasn't even started playing yet. You're just in the community. So you're now all of a sudden that community is now one of those containers. Then the music starts. So now you have another container within that container. And then if you choose to take psychedelics, you're adding another layer onto that, right? Of liminality, of ritual around the taking of the psychedelics. So you have all these multi-layered things that are stacking up onto each other to really add a little, I mean, psychedelics are pretty much spiritual rocket fuel in a way to get you out into that space where, you know, if you're doing them mindfully and you're, you know, hopefully doing them in a way that you have a safe enough container around you so you can handle it, they can be extremely, extremely powerful. Uh, and they certainly were for me, especially when combined with Grateful Dead music. And it was very, very, very important for me to get that into the dissertation because I, I thought that, you know, obviously the Grateful Dead would not even exist musically without psychedelics. Like, I think we can all agree on that. So they were, they were a very interesting example because they were born out of the psychedelic experience in many ways. So then you have them kind of acting as a place where other people can come in and learn about the psychedelic experience, have it in group settings and connect with a lot of those deep spiritual things. So yeah, psychedelics, I think are a very important part of it mm -hmm. in, on so many levels. Yeah. It's so interesting, you know, talking about like creating that container and it's like, I think about, you know, these arenas that get transformed into these containers of these transformative transcendent experiences that like on any other given night they might be hosting like a boxing match or a basketball game right. you know and I it's like it's the same right, right, physical right. structure but yet the experience can be so different and and you know i get by you talking about the community that's coming together so that is going to be different and also the music that's being created but it's just so interesting to think about that it's like you know here's this house that in yeah. any other given night is going to look totally different but like for this night or these two nights or three nights or however long the run is like it's just it's like church for us in this new place exactly it's totally church and that that you know it's church probably just i could have not written a 250 page dissertation 
just well, written its church and that and a interestingly <laughs> in my research was the one phrase that was repeated more often than others is this is my church so that's true wow and i wasn't even specifically yeah. looking at spirituality yeah, it, i was just looking at what is this live music experience for you yeah yeah exactly yeah, exactly. I, so I um, in Costa Rica, I went on a tour of San Jose and I was partnered. It was me and this family that were super Catholic and Christian. And I was talking to the daughter for a while and I was um, telling her about the uh, podcast that we did with Dan Leibowitz and about flow state. And it's like the discipline and then you have to have surrender and where it overlaps. That is flow. And I was talking about like the live music experience and how that's where I experience flow. And she was saying, oh, like that's what I experience when I have prayer. And there's so many people that don't surrender. They just have the discipline and they're so disciplined and they don't let it like go where it needs to go because they're so disciplined and they don't surrender. They don't find the flow. And so we were talking about it and I was like, you've got to go see the, see the band fish and check out some live music and like Grateful Dead cover bands. Like you got to go check that out when you get back home. <laughs> Cause I was like, if you've experienced it in prayer, your mind is going to be blown when you, <laughs> when you right. also like try it in a live music experience. And she was like yeah. all about it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, totally. I could not agree more with that. It's just fascinating. I really like your point, Leah, about the how prosaic a basketball arena is. And, you know, you can just walk into it. Let's say just the end of a basketball game and it's a blowout and everybody's left and there's used popcorn everywhere. And then you take that picture and then you take a picture of, you know, fish at MSG. It's like just the colors and it's just like it's unbelievable that that could be the same place. Yeah. And right? I can say from personal experience, because I was a professional cheerleader and I was um, at Madison Square Garden performing. <laughs> and <laughs> I, know, right? Yeah. And I remember like that same year I like came back to go to a fish show and I was like, what is like, is this the same place? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, but then I would look around and I'd be like, oh, like we're pages standing right now. That's where like I did this. <laughs> and, like, it was just, <laughs> But I was like, but it's not the same thing or the same energy at all. But it yeah. is. I mean, there is something similar that we were talking about earlier because there is that collective energy. And when everyone like when someone makes a basket, you know, everyone's like erupting and that vibration yeah. matches and becomes the same and live music's a little bit the same like a basketball game except our team always wins <laughs> right exactly exactly and there's that kind of energy of like us against them and it kind of gets in, it gets humans into some pretty interesting states you know yeah i was a huge, huge sports fan i played sports all growing up and when i got into the grateful dead i remember just starting to find and started to go down the rabbit hole and then became a musician and you know did all i went all the way in and at sports just like lost it i i, I just didn't even wasn't interested anymore because i th i think i had found something that really resonated a lot more deeply for me personally i know that some people love it both and i'm not judging them at all but i'm just saying that it is interesting for me how i think i might have been looking for some of that same stuff in sports and then you know it was so much more powerful in the music for me that i it didn't need the, for me i didn't need the sports anymore. yeah it's great when we can find those things to offer those experiences in our lives and you know yeah. Exactly. And well, in sports is like you said, it's us versus them where the live music experience is just us. Mm -hmm. Right. We're all on the same team. Yeah. Exactly. I'll, my friend Geraldine Cohen has a shirt that just yeah. says same team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get one of those. That's it. Yeah. We're all in the same boat together. Well, Peter, I'd love to hear about, you know, more of your personal experiences. So we've been talking about like what really 
has its meaning for live music for people and what makes it so special to people. Uh, is there anything else that stands out from kind of the macro level of looking at this or your research and, and as a fan talking to other fans before we move into your own personal? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's really interesting for me to look back on the friendships that I've built with with people who went to see shows together. There's just something there. I mean, I think it kind of it's similar to like if you went off to war together or if you cut, you know, I have friends that hike the Great Divide Trail for a year and a half or whatever. You know, you just do something that intense inside of that container together and there's there's a bond that happens there that that person understands you in a way that no that someone who hasn't done that with you no matter how close they might get to you they don't get that part of you in that way and i for me i'm just have i'm so grateful to have those friends in my life that as soon as we're we haven't seen each other for however many years as soon as we're in the same room together like the the fair the well shows were a really cool experience for me because all my friends that i went to shows together with i have you know two or three kind of different groups that we ended up doing different sets of shows together when the Grateful Dead were around. We all came together and hung out for these shows in Chicago. And it was just so special and so like a life affirming to, to have those bonds and that were entirely created by the Grateful Dead experience. Like there's no way that we would feel that way without having been in the live music experience together. And just the resonance that I feel with them every time I even just talk to them on the phone or see them and, or get to do a show with them, or if they come to one of my Bright Shine shows or anything like that, that just happens where we are able to connect again. It's something that is just an unbelievable gift from the music. Yeah, that is something that's so special and powerful about live music, just like how deeply it connects us. And you did a great job of describing like, how that is, because it is this really, you know, talk about being on the same team. It's like we go to a show and we're in it and, you know, we're all experiencing it together. And it's like and then it's over and you look over at the other person and it's like, yeah, we did it. Like, that was amazing. You know, and it's like, yeah, it's just like the best feeling ever. And it's so nonverbal. You don't even have to talk about what it was or, you know, it's just like you just know. And to have those experiences with somebody like like what you just said, to for them to know that aspect of you as deeply as you do, like then there's just this bond that forms that's so much deeper than what we might experience meeting somebody at the grocery store or even, you know, at a bar or whatever. It's like, it's just totally different. Yeah, yeah. During that same time that I was, starting to write songs 1995 like right but it was actually right before jerry died i got introduced to this woman carrie adler who became my wife and she was a deadhead also but she and i never actually got to see the band together because jerry died like we became like casual friends and then jerry died and then we kind of gradually i was still in san francisco that next year and we gradually got together and you know here we are 25 later years later with two kids in a house and all that stuff um and the just the importance in our relationship of us both having had these experiences at dead shows and just getting that we both get that so deeply and understand that about each other that it was it was it was a wonderful beginning point for us uh having that as a starting place and you know wanting to go see back then it was like you know rat dog was like a trio with matt kelly on harmonica and bob and rob and jay lane and so we would just go see them any chance we got and just you know just started to bond around all that, but having all that 
common ground together was really that's another kind of personal uh place for me where it was just like no one could understand me like she does because she gets that you know no one except someone who understands the grateful dead anyway you know just because she gets what it meant to me and what what it was for me yeah, I love talking to the two of you because you actually like know all the reasons and have done the research on why we feel the way we do. And so it's so affirming because I'm usually like, I feel like this. And people are like, yeah, me too. But like, you're like, yeah, and this is why. And so it's, this has been like, it's so interesting to me. I could talk all day long to you and listen or just listen. <laughs> I'll zip my mouth and just listen to you all day. Yeah, no, it is really great. And it, it's it's amazing how like, just positivity it brings from just talking about the experience. No, you get a you get a buzz literally talking about it. that was also really cool about the dissertation research was just getting to like I mean I ended up interviewing most of the people I interviewed I think all the people actually were pretty good friends of mine I didn't know all this about their Grateful Dead experience like I got this huge download of their entire Grateful Dead experience and got to know them like much more deeply, you know, on so many levels, just by being able to just ask them questions for an hour and a half of the recording, you know, tape recorder going. Uh, so that was another great kind of gift of, of that for me. Yeah. I like how earlier you said, um, you know, it's like different than meeting someone at the grocery store or at a bar, but if you meet someone at the grocery store or at a bar and they're wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt or, or like, just like a right. band that you like, you're just like, Oh, and like, I've like become friends with people that are my lifelong friends because of, of that happening. So it's also this thing of like, we get each other. Exactly. Exactly. Or just see somebody with a fish sticker on their car or whatever. You just know you could probably go up and talk to that person and, you know, and have something in common, you know, which is, it's, it's powerful. I know. Well, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about, so you're a musician and you have multiple bands going and, uh, You know, of course, this this time period that we've just been in has taken us away from the experience of live music and being with the people that love it as much as we do and performing, you know, well, playing with other musicians, but also for other people. What have you found during this time that has been insightful or continued along this theme in your own personal yeah this i mean i think this has been a really challenging time for everyone uh, emotionally and certainly spiritually and also just like in terms of details like making a living and paying your rent and all you know there's all the pandemic i think has put a tremendous amount of pressure on everyone and so on so many levels it's been an interesting thing to witness and try to navigate through for for me uh i had spent probably a good two and a half years uh forming and creating a new band which is now bright shine and for me that was writing songs conceiving of kind of what the band would feel like, who was going to be in the band and how we were going to try to then create the music and then try to get it out into where people could hear it and dance to it and all that wonderful stuff. So that I've done what I've done pretty much throughout my whole career is create these bands that do original music. My first one was Seconds on End, which I started in year 2000, and that was about a 10 or 11 year run. And we did tons of shows. We're mostly a California band and mostly a kind of a jam jammy band, but it was a vehicle to kind of really figure out ways to get 
new music out there that people could connect with and dance to. And I had just a wonderful time with that band. That was a great, a great band that then kind of ran its course. And then I formed a band called Echo Street, uh, which was a reggae funk band with uh, a guy named Jason Bryant. He played with Damian Marley for a while. And so I had never played reggae music, but I love reggae music. So he and I spent a while, him kind of working with me on learning reggae and me working with him on songwriting, which he'd never done before. And we ended up writing a bunch of songs together and had a really fun band that went two or three more years. And so then I basically, I found myself a year and a half before the pandemic wondering, Oh man, here I am. You know, I've had, I've loved these bands, but now they're over. And what am I going to do with my life? And I really had to kind of sit back and focus on musically, where can I go that will really bring out the best in me and therefore hopefully have resonance for other people. And so I really kind of sat down and did some deep thinking and writing and uh, kind of gave birth to this batch of songs that was uh, really coming from a deep place within me and that I'm really proud of. And those were the songs that I kind of started Brightshine with. And so we went in and we recorded an album and worked on kind of the sounds. And I, I had uh, good relationships with a bunch of different musicians and I kind of knew who I wanted and was fortunate enough to be able to get them. And they're just all amazing men and women that I just am so lucky to still be working with, you know, three or four years down the road after a pandemic and everything that could possibly go wrong in life has gone wrong. Uh, so anyway, that was a kind of a long explanation to kind of let you know where, where I was coming from. So I was kind of had a lot of like, I was very, for lack of a better term, pregnant with this band and these all these ideas that I really thought this is the culmination of all my hard work and music and songwriting and playing guitar and every everything else, running bands and recording and producing and all the things that I've been doing for the last 20 years. I felt like Brightshine finally brought it all together. And literally... 2020 March, we had like, you know, a California tour booked. The album was starting to creep out and people I was starting to get, it was starting to feel like people were hearing it and was getting good feedback from friends and other people. And we played the, our first couple of shows and you were fortunate enough to be at one of those toots. And we literally, I think we had probably played four or five shows at that point. I mean, we were embryonic, but it really felt like finally. After all these years of bands coming and going, it was going to happen for me. I had a band going and these great musicians. It just felt right. You know, I was just like in the groove. And then, bam, we all know what happened in March, right? <laughs> Everything canceled. It's all over. And then you just go into this, like, you know, all the stages of grief, denial, you know, name it. And so I, I remember this moment, maybe three or four weeks in, where it was like, you know, there was a period where it was like, oh, we'll reschedule the gigs. And, you know, in a few months, this will all be over and, you know, it'll be fine. And then it was like, well, maybe we'll do live streaming as a band. You know, we'll all get a venue and we'll set up cameras and it won't be the same, but at least we can play. And then everybody's like, no, you're not allowed to be in the same room. <laughs> and so I finally, I was just sitting there with this, you know, pile of dreams that had just been completely decimated in front of me. And I was like, what am I going to do? You know, what, what can I possibly do here other than just cry? You know, I mean, is the, is there another option here? So I cried and then I brought myself back together and was like, well, you know, I was thinking before, you know, I spent a lot of time writing leading up to that first kind of wave of bright shine. I was like, when this gets crazy, it's going to be really hard to write more songs and get into that space of like creating things because you're going to be out gigging and doing all that other stuff that you do. And so I was like, this is kind of an opportunity to reboot and, you know, 
create now that you've kind of been out there and felt what it's like to play for the audience with this material and in this configuration of this band how can you really figure out what you could have done better and then actually do it and that was the challenge i i kind of gave myself was like what did you know take what you liked about the band and your songs and everything that was your and my musicianship and everything but really now you actually have time to stop and breathe and really sit down and think about all right i need to make something that resonates with my heart that then will resonate out in the world and sometimes when we get in project mode at least i know i do when i get in project mode i can just be so focused on doing everything that i might lose the soul of what i'm doing just to and, and just i got to get it done i got to get i got to book these gigs i got to do that i got to rehearse the band all the stuff that ends up happening and so i looked at it as a real chance to stand back and you know create something that when things open back up again would be really really what i wanted to do and not just what i did because i knew i had to do something and that was the challenge i gave myself now the the only problem with that is that for me writing songs is not something i can just like put on my calendar be like all right this morning i'm going to wake up and write a song and it's going to be really good you know, I think there are some songwriters that do that. I know Paul Simon just like he has it in his schedule that he just sits down and writes songs. But for me, it's something that always I've never written a good song that way. So I finally gave up years ago even trying to write songs like that. So what I do now is basically just let them come to me naturally. And they always come to me when I'm doing something else on the guitar. I'm practicing for a gig for one of my bands or I'm messing with my gear or whatever. And you'll have this little snippet come out or you'll hear a lyric you know, kind of in whatever you're noodling and that all you need, or at least all I need is that one kernel right there. And as soon as I have that, I drop everything and follow that. So the one thing I was a little bit worried about was, well, what if I'm just not inspired to write? And I, I've now decided that I want to come up with all this new material. Um, but you know, will, will the universe cooperate with me and have that happen for me? And I was very fortunate that actually that is what happened. I think probably mostly because I just got so quiet, there was nothing else left to do and nothing there are no other vibrations to tune into i couldn't go see other musicians play i couldn't play with other musicians i couldn't be distracted by you know random pickup dates where you're like let's all get together and play this music or whatever all the all the gigs that just pop up in your life all that stuff was away and i finally think i got silent enough to where all of a sudden i was really tuned in and i started having these songs come out of me and one of the things that i the, one of my other intentions there was really to start some of this music, not just from a set of chord changes or something that kind of comes in my head that often ends up being like guitar strumming for me, like I'm strumming chords and writing songs. And that's the way I typically have written songs. I really wanted to start these songs from groove. And the reason that is, is that I found that what I was writing before ended up kind of being like a little bit Pink Floydy and that it was nice and it was pretty, but it was just a little slow and it didn't really like the audience wasn't really elevating in the way that I thought that it might be fun if the audience could elevate as long as I was still writing for my heart. So I was thinking, well, you know, I am a drummer also. Why don't I just start writing from these grooves? So that was one of the things I did is when I started writing these songs, I would oftentimes back away from just the guitar strumming and start thinking about a rhythm and use that. And also right before pandemic, I got together with uh, Celzo, Alberti, our drummer, and Eric Levy, the keyboard player, and just had a session where we kind of thought about different grooves and then kind of came up with grooves and just came up with chord changes over. So I would like be like, hey guys, let's think about a groove like Fela Kuti and let's listen to this Fela Kuti song and then we'll just jam a little bit. We don't want to copy him, but you know, just to put us in that kind of, in that space. 
And so I had like five little song starter ideas from those two guys. Fortunately, it was just this lucky thing that I had those. We did that in January, right before everything shut down. So I had those. So between that and a couple of the ideas that I was starting to have, I had these groove-based ideas that I was working on. Um, and so I spent pretty much all the pandemic kind of finishing those, writing those, writing lyrics to them, editing them, throwing stuff away, coming up with better ideas, all that stuff. And but I got to like, I think it was October and I was just bursting. I was like, I really, really want to record these ideas. I cannot sit and play them by myself any longer because it's not about me strumming and singing it. It's about having drums and bass and, you know, it's about having all the fullness around it. So I in, endeavored to have a recording session where we actually would try to get together in the middle of COVID and record. So you know, we had to not have any engineers there. It was fortunately Celzo is a is a, actually a professional engineer in addition to being a drummer. So he's really good at engineering. I've done a lot of engineering and producing in my past also. So we were able to get a studio out in Santa Cruz that didn't require we have an engineer there. We brought all our own gear in. It was a huge operation. We wore masks and I was behind like a huge plexiglass screen and Murph was in a closet and, you know, it was just like this whole production. But it was really amazing because that the first two songs we did were so full of magic it was unbelievable the feeling and i should back up a second and say that in my career i've i've often done recording where you record like one thing at a time and you build it up that's a way to record as you do the drums and the bass and stuff like that but with with this project i've really really been into recording the whole band at once and then so you get bass drums keyboards rhythm guitars hopefully guitar solos sometimes you have to put those in you have to do the vocals later too because you can't do this with the drums in the room but getting like the the whole nucleus of the band playing at once on the recording is a huge priority for me so what it would have been easy to do it the old way in covid because everyone can record in their house but i really wanted it had to be together for it to really be what i wanted so we got in we did this and the first two songs are going to be on the album pretty much as we played them with overdub vocals because the jam like everything it was just none of us had played for i don't know eight months so it, it, it's it, it's baked into the music that feeling of like oh my god i can't believe we're getting to do this again you know it was so magical and you know i just owe it entirely to my bandmates for being open enough to to be able to do that in the middle of COVID in the first place it was kind of dangerous in a way I mean we were very safe but you know it's still you guys remember what it was like it was really a weird time but you know the the flip side of that is when you get past that then you have you, you're out into this magical space and so the first four or five songs that we recorded were in that place and that's kind of captured in there which I really like about the, those songs and then last month we were able to go back in and record a few more songs so I think I pretty much I now have the album kind of recorded basic tracks and I'm starting to you know finish all the overdubs and all that stuff so you probably I'm probably a few months out of being done with it but I really feel like I took this thing from you know sitting there with nothing in my hands to have really created something that I think really has the pandemic experience, certainly in the lyrics and certainly in the vibe of the music. And also just in the kind of way that I think all of us have come to a place where we realize that we can't go back to the way life was before the pandemic. We have to learn and change as a species and as a group of people and evolve and change. And I feel like I did that as a musician in pandemic also. Um, and so that is kind of baked into the music in a very cool way. That's the short answer. <laughs> we'll have to have you back one day for the long answer. <laughs> yes. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that story. 
And I love, I love hearing all about that. I cannot wait to hear. I've gotten to hear a little bit of the songs. Thank you for sending those. Those are really cool to hear. I love the fact that it's like based on the intention that you want to help elevate the audience. Cause of course, you know, I'm part of the audience and I, I love to be elevated <laughs> by the music and I love some groove to, to move to. So that makes me really excited. Do you have any? like live dates on the calendar yet? What are you guys thinking about for that? We're, I'm talking to Michael's on Main right now. I should have something there. I have a couple of things basically in the hopper, but we don't, We I'm, unfortunately I have nothing to promote. But if you go to my website, brightshinemusic.com or like us on Facebook or Instagram, it'll all be there. I basically been focused on the recording section for the last month or so since we've been able to associate with one another freely again and starting to work on booking some stuff now that we have those songs kind of enough that we could perform. I didn't really want to book dates and go just play the old set that we were playing before. I wanted to, the new, it was really important for me, the new music to be kind of the centerpiece of what we were doing. Um, so yeah, there's a month or two lag there on, on the booking and everything. So we're, we're starting to kind of get that up and running. Um, another thing I forgot to, to mention too, is I did this great thing with you at a left hand monkey wrench gang. The left hand monkey wrench gang is my grateful dead tribute that I do with kind of a loose affiliation of folks around the Bay area. But Leah did this wonderful embodied groove. I'll let you describe it if you haven't already on the podcast before kind of meditation before we played. And I learned a tremendous amount from that because when I walked out on stage, I, it felt really different to me what it felt like just to literally stand on there. And even before I played a note. I could feel a different connection between the audience and the band, which sometimes can take the whole show to create. You know, I've been doing this a long time. Sometimes it does become automatically, but to feel it there before you play means all of a sudden when you start playing, there's just nowhere to elevate, but up there. Right? So that was something that really stuck in my head that fed into that stuff that I was talking about before of really wanting to kind of have that bridge there. And I think groove really is a bridge between the band and the audience. It's easy as a musician to get stuck in your head thinking about a lot of musical things and forget about that really primal thing. So that was a really, it was really, there's nothing like experiencing something to really learn. You know, you can talk about it or be told it, but when you really feel it like that, it's just different, you know? So thank you very much yeah. for that. Leah. Thank yes. you for allowing me the opportunity to do it before your show. And that was such a special experience. I mean, it was my birthday. So that was really cool. I was like doing my favorite thing on my birthday, but also like that night, you know, musicians that weren't even going to be involved in embodied groove like ended up coming up on stage because everybody was having such a good time so by the end it was like right. everybody that had an instrument was up there playing right. <laughs> so for me that was so exciting too because obviously you know they they were drawn to be like wow that looks like a lot of fun I want to get in on that so yeah that was that was super fun and I love that 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 helped create the spark and I can't wait to see where it leads and experience it live in person and also listen to the album. Yeah. Yes, me too. And is there any last thing that you'd like to share with everyone before we set them free into the wilderness? Be good to everyone and support original music. Go out and find bands that you love and support them. Because as I talk to all my musician friends you know where everyone is really out there creating fiercely right now so try to support those people it's 
if you haven't been on the other side of the coin, it's very hard to do this as a musician. And just even the slightest amount of love, even a, you know, a comment on social media is wonderful. If you don't have the, if you can't get out to a show or share it with a friend and really try to commit yourself to branching out and finding new bands after the pandemic, that would be my wish. That is a great wish. And I'm looking forward to fulfilling your wishes and making all your dreams come true. <laughs> I'm sure everyone out there is as well. This has been yay, this has been such a lovely and insightful and affirming conversation. And I'm so grateful that you were here today. Yeah. And thank so you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been a, it's been a wonderful time. I thank really appreciate it. Thank you so much, it. Peter. All right. We'll be right back, everyone. Right. We are back. And that was such an inspiring conversation. I feel so inspired right now. I know. I just love Peter. I'm so excited to meet him and give him a hug. He's just like such a magical yeah. like fairy man. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> him. Like he's just so he just like is so bright and wonderful. Yeah, totally. I, I can't wait to check out his new album. That's so exciting. Yeah. Bright Shine's new album, I should say. I know. When he talked about that, like you all couldn't see his eyes because we don't have a mm. video, but we could see and he just like lit up. And I'm sure you could have heard that in his voice, but he is just like Definitely. so lit up about this. And you know how when someone's lit up about something, it's so contagious. So I'm so excited to listen. I think that's why these interviews are so exciting to do because everybody gets, I mean, everybody that we talk to is lit up about live music. And so it leaves us feeling energized and inspired. Yeah, totally. And I think it's also like, we're coming about it from a different way because we're coming from the place of the like health and wellness and like well-being and the positive aspects of it and how you can integrate that into your life and how it just affects your life. And there's I don't know that there's any other podcasts that are specifically talking about that. And musicians really love to talk about it because they're, it's kind of like a chef, like when they create an amazing meal and then people are like, wow, this is delicious and this made my life better and now I'm healthy because I eat your food every day. Like that's kind of the musicians are getting that like affirmation that what they're doing is working and is actually like really important to people's lives where I don't know that they get to talk about that or hear that. You know, like people might be like, yay, that was awesome. But they're we're really diving in deep. And and I think that's why they're so excited to talk to us and and why it's like a different interview for them. And they just like leave being so lit up and we're lit up and you're all lit up and everyone mm -hmm. wins. So let's light up the world. Yes. <laughs> Yes, raise that frequency all around us. Yeah. So part of the way that live music is bringing meaning to people's lives is through being a spiritual experience. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that in the... Did you know? Did you know? So Peter did his dissertation on the spiritual experience of the Grateful Dead, which he talked a lot about in this interview. But I also wanted to highlight another research article that focused on the spiritual experience of live music. And this one focused on the music of Jerry Joseph and the Jack Mormons. So it was entitled Spirituality, Fan Culture, and the Music of Jerry Joseph and the Jack Mormons. And you can find that on Google Scholar if you'd like to read more about this article specifically. But I wanted to just highlight a little bit about, so it interviewed 31 Jerry Joseph fans as they were on Jerry Joseph tour. And these fans actually identified, so 87% of them identified as growing up in a religious household, 
but 93% of those 87% said that they had intentionally like abandoned that affiliation. So while they grew up religious, they then said, I'm done with this. But it obviously was important to them in their lives. And, you know, when something is important to us in our lives, whether subconsciously, unconsciously, consciously, we will seek it out. So they found a way to find spirituality in their lives through live music and specifically through the music of Jerry Joseph and the Jack Mormons for them. So a few of the ways that they found a spiritual experience through the music, one was they considered it as soul cleansing was a word that they used. This one woman said that it brings you to tears at times because of what you're going through, whether it's a religious moment or just moments of faith or remembrance. So it has that like emotional quality where it just grabs you and tears are streaming down your face and you're just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I know we probably all had that before. They experienced it as a church-like experience, which we talked a little bit about in this interview because that was something that I found in my research more than anything else. People were like, this is church to me. They also found personal meaning making in the music, which of course, you know, when we can find meaning in the experience, then it, it connects us deeper to it. They also found that they connected more deeply to themselves, to others, and to something larger, which was a theme that I also found in my research too. And you can probably reflect on how maybe live music has offered that to you too, where you just find a deeper sense of yourself, also a deeper connection and relationship to others. And then you can also experience a connection to something larger. So I thought that was really cool. That is so cool. And I love how Peter was talking about that most people in his dissertation described live music as their church. And it's not in a religious way. It's just like where they connect to something bigger than themselves. And so for my section. Daily Jam. Daily Jam. I want you to figure out a way that you can connect to something bigger than yourself on a daily basis. And so when you're doing this, again, this does not have to be religious. Like connecting to something bigger than yourself can be nature. It can it could be like however it could be all the people on earth, like whatever it is, just something bigger than you. How can you connect to the collective energy of every living being and thing on this planet and like what would that look like and how can you do that? And so I really want you to, for the Daily Jam, to think about ways that you can do that in your life. Like some ways that I like to do it is I kind of take a moment and I put my hand on my heart and I take like a couple of deep breaths and then I visualize all of my loved ones and I take a deep breath with them. And then I visualize like all the people that I get to work with and all of you as listeners on the podcast and I take a deep breath with you. And then I think about all the people that I struggle with that are kind of like trigger me in a certain way and I breathe with them. And then I just think of like everyone on earth and like all the babies being born and I just breathe with them. And then, you know, that can get a little overwhelming, like being with everyone's energy in the whole world. And then I just come back and connect with myself. And I find that's a really powerful exercise. Um, it could also just be like for so many people hiking or just going for a walk out in nature can be a way to connect with something bigger than yourself. So this is a very personal practice. So I just want you to think about what that is that you do to connect with the greater consciousness and energy of the world and 
and consciously do that every single day because that's what you experience when you're at a show. So if you could experience it there, you could experience it at home. You just have to put a little effort into doing it. Yeah. And thanks for helping the people have the inspiration and the hopefully motivation to put forth that effort. Yeah. And it's fun. Sometimes I'm like, today I'm going to connect with Jerry Garcia. And like, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to connect with Santa Claus. (laughs) Or like, (laughs) I'm going to like, you could, whatever is bigger than you, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. And if, if you need to put a human form for it to make sense, like, I have an interdimensional team that is something bigger than myself that I talk to when I call them my bad Mm -hmm. bitches. And (laughs) like, I just had to give them human form, even though they're not of human form. So it makes sense to me. And so if that's something that you need to do, like totally do that. It doesn't matter how you do it. You can't do it wrong. Just connect Mm -hmm. with that thing that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. And there are so many like archetypal energies. There's so many goddesses and gods, you know, there's like there are these energies that exemplify different aspects that you might find that you want to bring more out in your life. So that's definitely, those are options too. Yeah. You can't do it wrong. I know that religion has like told people that they're doing it wrong for years and years, but let me tell you, let me free you from that. You cannot do this wrong. So just try it and it doesn't matter how weird or like (laughs) silly it looks to the outside world. It's your personal practice and, and it's cool and it's fine and, and you've got this. And then come and share in our community, the Grief Therapy Podcast community on Facebook so that we can support each other in doing this thing that might feel a little weird, but really is so important to us in our lives. Yeah. And we'll make a post about it. So you don't even have to make your own posts. You can come and mm-hmm. find, I mean, you can if you want to, but you could also mm-hmm. find our post and comment there. Yeah. Yes. So thank you so much for being a part of our community and helping us to connect to something larger out there. You know, it's like just Tara Lee and I meeting on our computer, but there's there's something that's so much bigger that's been created with this group therapy podcast. Yeah. And we connect with all of you like you don't see it, but we connect with mm-hmm. all of you before we record a podcast and um, that yeah. might be brought into season two. I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. But we do a little exercise to connect with all of you beforehand, and it really helps. It makes a huge difference. Yep, it definitely does. So speaking of season two, we are going to take a little break. So this episode is coming out on August 6th. We are going to take two what would be release dates off and come back at you on September 17th. So September 17th is going to be the start of season two. It'll be right after Labor Day. So have some fun on your summer and listen to some previously recorded Groove Therapy episodes. But don't get discouraged if for two release dates, you're like, oh my gosh, where'd Groove Therapy go? We will be back. So now you know we'll be back September 17th and we're so excited to come back for season two. Yay. We'll miss you. And we're looking forward to connecting with you again. Yes. So please follow us on Spotify at Groove Therapy Podcast, as well as joining our Facebook group that I just mentioned, Groove Therapy Podcast Community. We will tell you all about it when our season two episode drops. And definitely subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast so that you will not miss an episode and you can access all of them at one time. And please leave us a rating or review if you are so inspired on Apple Podcasts. That way more people can find out about us and we can just continue growing this community and experience for everybody. Yeah. And if we could ask for even 
I mean, we asked you for a bunch of favors, but if we could ask you for one more, share this podcast with someone that you love that you think would like it. Just share the link, send it to them, let them know that we're amazing. (laughs) And that will help us grow our audience so we can share this wealth of knowledge about health and wellness and how it connects to music. And, you know, we're we're one of the only podcasts that I know of that talks about that. And so the more people that know about it, the more people that will be inspired and the more people that will be lit up. And we would just be so grateful to be able to connect with more and more people on this subject. Yes, absolutely. And we have to thank Osiris Pod for allowing us to start a podcast. And we are only the second female hosted podcast on there. So Don Jenkins of Female Centrics was the first and definitely check out her podcast. And thank you so much, Osiris. You can find out all of the other amazing musical podcasts that Osiris has at OsirisPod.com. Yeah, and if I could give one more shout out to Dawn, this podcast would not have come to fruition if it wasn't for her. And that is true. And her like magical fairy connectingness. Mm-hmm. Um, she was definitely yep. one very important person in this podcast coming to fruition. So, Dawn, thank yes, you so much was. from the bottom of our hearts. We love you so much. Yes, 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 yes. And we love you so much, too. Thank yes. you so much for listening, whether this is your first time or your 27th time. We so appreciate you. I know I want to keep on talking about how grateful we are for you, but we should probably <laughs> let you go so you can live your life and go see some live music. Yeah. So get out there. Hopefully we will see you on the dance floor very soon. Woo-hoo! All right. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.